Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 101. So yesterday we celebrated uh, episode 100, uh, and my wife joined us, and we had a great time. And uh, so if you haven't listened to that yet, check it out. Um, we stopped in um, uh, Psalms chapter 58 yesterday, excuse me, Psalms chapter 78 uh, yesterday. I failed to mention yesterday that we were starting the third book of Psalms uh, yesterday with chapter 73. And so uh, today we may conclude uh, the third book of Psalms. And so <clears throat> uh, we also concluded, although he appears a couple other times, the Psalms of David, and we get into the Psalm of Asaph, which begs the question, who was Asaph? And so in my research, it seems like Asaph was a uh, descendant of a Levitical tribe that uh, involved musicians. And so apparently uh, they were musical people and who wrote songs and sung songs and, and that sort of thing. And so what isn't clear is whether or not Asaph actually wrote all of the songs that are ascribed to his name or whether he transcribed some of the songs and hymns from David. And so this isn't clear. And so I'm not sure. And so also, we will get into some of the songs authored by the sons of Korah. Now, who is Korah? If you remember, in the Old Testament, Korah defied um, uh, the rules with regard to uh, uh, marrying, marrying foreign women and whatnot. He was kind of in, indignant about it. And so um, uh, Moses became upset and uh, ended up uh, swallowing Korah and his clan uh, opened up the earth and they fell and they got swallowed up. Well, apparently there were some descendants who didn't get swallowed up and they were also descendants of the Levitical order. And so, um, and so from out of the, the tribe of priests and Levites uh, comes the sons and they also write songs. And so um, that's just kind of some background on the Psalms. And so as you're learning, I'm also learning. And so let's continue on with Psalms uh, chapter 79. <clears throat> In the introduction says, faith and confusion, when outraged by injustice, cry out to God, not against him. In times of disaster, our mood may be anger, but our trust must remain in God. Verse 1, God, uh, this is from Asaph, God, the nations have invaded your inheritance, desecrated your holy temple, and turned Jerusalem into ruins. They, have the, uh, they gave the corpses of your servants to the birds of the sky for food, the flesh of your faithful ones to the beasts of the earth. Verse 5. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will, you, will, well, will your jealousy keep burning like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that don't acknowledge you, on the kingdoms that don't call on your name. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like that a lot. You know, it seems like uh, kingdoms are defying the, the rule and order of the Lord. And, you know, in my heart, I want the Lord to pour out his wrath on them. Um, but again, his ways and his timings and whatnot are not subject to my approval. And so thank God for that. <clears throat> Verse 8, do not hold past iniquities against us. And so here we see Asaph is admitting that we have done wrong in the past. Those who call themselves your children have done wrong in the past. And he says, let your, comp let your compassion come to us quickly, for we have become very weak. 
It's interesting that a lot of times, how many times is this us, where we want God's wrath to be poured out on those evildoers, but we want him to be patient and compassionate towards us, when in many cases we've done, if not the same thing, sometimes even worse. And so we need mercy and forgiveness and patience from our God, not only for us, but for all people. In verse 9, God, our salvation, help us. For the glory of your name, rescue us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations uh, why should the nations ask, where is their God? Before our eyes, let vengeance for the uh, shed blood of your servants be known among the nations. And so Asaph is saying, Lord, <clears throat> help us for the glory of your name, not not for our sake, you know, not to benefit us, but for the glory of your name, because these nations around us know that we claim that we belong to you. And so we want your name to be glorified based on how you treat us. And so in verse 12, it says, pay back sevenfold to our neighbors the reproach they have hurled at you, Lord. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever. We will declare your praise to generation after generation. And so we see in the Old Testament a lot, the people who want, they want to see that vengeance. They want to see that revenge. They want the satisfaction of that. And I can certainly appreciate that. Anyway, let's move on to chapter 80. And the introduction says, a prayer for revival and restoration. After experiencing destruction, God is our only hope for salvation. Let's drop down to verse 4. It says, Lord Lord God of armies, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You put us at odds with our neighbors. Our enemies mock us. Restore us, God of armies. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Verse 8. You dug up a vine from Egypt, you drove, out, uh, the, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared a place for it, and it took root and filled the land. And so he's talking about it. He's talking about the vine of Egypt. You dug up a vine from Egypt. He's talking about the Israelites. Lord, you dug us out from Egypt. You took us out. You drove out the nations and planted us. Uh, when, when we crossed the Jordan, you drove out the nations before us, and you planted us. You cleared a place for us. You took root and filled the land. And so... We took root in a foreign land and filled it. It became our land. And then he says in verse 12, why have you broken down its wall so that all who pass by pick its fruit? And so he says, well, we've now that we've come to ruin, he says, why have you done this? Why have you broken down our wall so that when people walk by, they they pick the the, the, the fruit of our mind? They they um, they become advantaged from what we have done. <laughs> It says, for, uh, verse 14, return, God of armies, look down from heaven and see, take care of this vine. In verse 17, it says, let your hand be with the man at your right hand, with the son of man you have made strong for yourself. Interesting. Let your hand be with the man at your right hand, with the son of man you have made strong for yourself. This is the foretelling of Jesus. Let your hand be with the man at your right hand. The word says when after Jesus ascended, he, he uh, sat at the right hand of the Father God. With the Son of Man, that's what uh, Jesus is referred to a lot, you have made strong for yourself. In verse 18, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord, God of armies. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Let's go to Psalm 81. 
a call to obedience. This hymn celebrates the exodus from Egypt, uh, God's goodness versus Israel's, uh, yeah, Israel's waywardness. God is our deliverer in spite of our wanderings. Thank God for that. Verse 6, I relieved his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from carrying the basket. You called out in distress, and I rescued you. I answered you from the thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Mirabah. Listen, my people, and I will admonish you. Israel, if you would only listen to me, there must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God. And so this is the Lord telling the Israelites, look, all this I have done for you, but this is what you must not do, which we know that they did. In verse 10, I am the Lord your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Fill it. <clears throat> it says, be hungry, be thirsty for what I have for you and I will fill you. I will not let you go starving or thirsty. I will fill you with my wisdom. I will fill you with my, my glory. I will fill you with my righteousness. I will fill you. Just open your mouth. Verse 11. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. If on, verse 13, if only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways, I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. <clears throat> and so this goes for all nations of the world, the United States and all nations in Europe, all nations in Asia, Africa, wherever, it doesn't matter. You know, it says, if only my people would listen to me and Israel would follow my ways. If only my people would listen to me and the peoples of America, Canada, you know, Mexico, whatever, it doesn't matter, would follow my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. We're all trying to do everything ourselves and whatnot, but all we have to do is turn to the ways of the Lord, acknowledge him. And he will fulfill his promises. If we don't, then we suffer the consequences. Let's go on to chapter 82. A plea for righteous judgment. A fair judge, God will judge the wicked who have unfairly treated others. <clears throat> Verse 1. God stands in a divine assembly. He pronounces judgment among the gods. How long will you ju judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and needy. Save them from the power of the wicked. Rise up, God. The earth for all the nations belong to you. So we see that there's a plea for God to rise up and don't delay. Come save these people, Lord. Let's go on to chapter 83. <clears throat> Prayer against enemies. This psalm is a prayer for God to do whatever it takes to convince the world that he is indeed God. Someday all will recognize and admit that God is in charge. Verse 1, God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf. God, do not be quiet. See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They've, they devise clever schemes against your people and conspire against your treasured ones. They say, come. Let's wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. Verse 13, make them like tumbleweed, my God, like straw before the wind. As fire burns uh, a forest, 
As fire burns before us, as a flame blazes through mountains, so pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. (laughs) Verse 17, let them be put to shame and terrified forever. Let them perish in disgrace. May they know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Let's go to chapter 84. And it says, longing for God's house. God's living presence is our greatest joy. His his radiant presence uh, helps us grow in strength, grace, and peace. Verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. How long, uh, how long and yearn for, no, excuse me. I, I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Verse four, how happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Drop down to verse 10. Better a day in your courts than a thousand uh, anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of our armies. Now, how many of us can can really say that, that I'd rather be at the threshold of the door of your house? And live in the mansions of the world of the world essentially is what it's saying i'd rather be close to you lord i'd rather be under your tent than all of the world's treasures that may be offered to me i would say probably most of us would not subscribe to that particular recipe and i would think that most of us would probably want the the things that we are familiar with, the earthly blessings, the earthly treasures, the earthly riches. But I believe as you get older, you start to see things a little bit differently. You start recognizing the temporal nature of these things, and you start longing for the eternal things. And so you start placing your hope greater and greater and greater in the things of the Lord, in the hope that eternity will trump the things of the temporal nature that we are all aware of and used to in this day and this time. In chapter 85, the introduction says, restoration of favor, from reverence to restoration. Restoration, Reverence leads to forgiveness, restoring our love and joy for God. Restoration of favor. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You, t- you turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you, before I go on here, <clears throat> return to us, God of salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Have we ever admitted to God that, Lord, I know? that based on what I've done or what I'm doing, that you are displeased with me. In other words, have we ever really come clean with God? It's not that he doesn't know. He's seeking our acknowledgement that we know what we've done. And so sometimes we just got to get real with the Lord, you know, and just, and just come clean, be naked before him and say, look, Lord, I, 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 I blew it. I've blown it. I continue to do so in this area or with that person or whatever. Um, Lord, I, I need help. <laughs> I need forgiveness. 
and sincerely meant it. Um, Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us um, and give us your salvation. Yes. You know, that's one thing we can covet. We can covet a righteous relationship with God. You know, God, this is something I thirst and hunger after. Just a sincere and a righteous relationship with you. Um, one where you can grow your trust in me. One where I'm growing um, trustworthy as a son of yours. This is what I desire, O Lord. Chapter 86, Lament and Petition, Devoted Trust in Times of Deep Trouble. Chapter 1, Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Again, fessing up. I am poor and needy. And this doesn't mean necessarily poor financially. This means poor in spirit. Could be poor in integrity, poor in character. I am needy. I am in need of rectifying these things, O Lord. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Not to all who think about you, not to all whose uh, thoughts wander towards you when they get in trouble, but to all who call on you, all who face you, run to you, and call on you. Verse 8, Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and no one who works like you. All the nations you have made will come to, will come and bow before you, uh, Lord, and will honor your name, for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Verse 11, teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Teach me your, your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. The word says, seek and you shall find. You know, you will be taught if you are seeking to be taught. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. Lord, I desire to fear you above all else, above man, above woman, above circumstances, above anything that may come my way. I fear you, Lord, above anything else. Verse 12, I will praise you with all my heart, um, Lord my God and will honor your name forever. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped, have helped and comforted me. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame. Show me a sign of your good, goodness, Lord, that my enemies will see. That they know it's just not me talking or, 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 or me... Uh, <laughs> you know, exaggerating situations or circumstances or telling tales or whatever, you know, show me a sign of your goodness that they see that they cannot deny. Show it to me, Lord, show it to me and let it be shown before man because you Lord have helped and comforted me. That's an awesome plea. I mean, that's to me, that resonates with me, you know, because I don't want, you know, a man to believe me or what I see or what I say. You know, or what I tell them that I saw. I want them to see for themselves. 
chapter 87, Zion, the city of God, the city of God where all believers will gather one day. Verse 1, the city he founded is on the holy mountains. The Lord loves Zion's uh, city gates more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are said about you, city of God. Verse 5, and it will be said of Zion, this one and that one were born in her, the Most High himself will establish her. So this is a, the Most High himself will establish the city of Zion, Will all those who call on his name will dwell, and there will be worship and praise and honor and glory for the Lord. Chapter 88, a cry of desperation. When there is no relief in sight, God understands even our deepest misery. Verse 1. Lord God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. For I have had enough troubles, and my life is near Sheol. I am counted among those going down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I am like uh, the slain lying in the grave, whom you no longer remember and who are cut off from your care. Verse 8. You have distanced my friends from me. You have made me repulsive to them. I am shut in and cannot go out. So we see that this is a man in, in extreme despair, removed from his friends. He can't go out. People say he's dead. He's like a corpse, you know, pour dirt on him or whatever. I mean, he's in, he's in a desperate state. And then in verse 10, it says, do you work wonders for the dead? Do departed spirits uh, rise up and praise you? Will your faithful love be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of oblivion? In other words, what he's saying is, Lord, dead people don't do any of this stuff. You know, they don't praise you. You know, they don't, they don't let your wonders be known in the darkness. You know, they don't do any of this stuff. It's just so, I can't, if I'm dead, Lord, I can't do this. You know, I can't do what I want to do for you. I can only be dead. And so it says in verse 13, but I call to you for help, Lord, in the morning, my prayer meets you. And so he's going through all of this and he's questioning what his usefulness would be if he were to be dead, because it seems like that's where he's headed. But even though all of this stuff is troubling him, troubling his mind, troubling his soul, he says in verse 13, but I call to you for help, Lord, in the morning, my prayers meets you. He's still in faith. He's still crying out, even though he's going through a very tough time. That is character. That is integrity. That is sincerity. That's all the things that I believe that we should all desire to demonstrate in this life in these days. And with that, we will see you tomorrow for verse, or excuse me, for uh, episode 102. We'll pick it up in chapter 89. Bye-bye now.